Choose your wife or me, John. Your wife or me. We all know where you stand with this one. <laughs> and I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> it is clearly my wife, you dumbass. <laughs> they once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires while listening to the entire tragically hip discography they love their canadian football john fraser a winnipeg blue bombers fan and sports reporter from saskatoon does this mean i have to start researching and travis cura a saskatchewan rough riders fan and radio announcer from red deer does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season bring you the two and out cfl podcast every week fraser and cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the canadian football league and nonsense can't forget the nonsense grab some poutine and a Double double. It's time for the two and out podcast. Ready, set, hook. Welcome to episode 14 of the two and out CFL podcast. Fraser and Kura. Now, Fraser, yes. now, now you, you you get the chance to explain yourself as to what happened last <laughs> week. So it wasn't that I forgot the anniversary. It was that I forgot that I had made the same plans with you. You know, just nothing clicked in my mind. So the dinner plans and everything were all made, but... Here I was sitting at Husky football practice and quickly realized to myself, oh, wait, I'm supposed to record the podcast. So I had to frantically call you that afternoon. And uh, I'm glad you found a co-host that uh, works for the same amount that I do, uh, that being nothing. I was just going to say, are you worried about losing your lucrative position, lucrative paying (laughs) position with the Tune Out podcast? Well, let's renegotiate my contract to go from three double doubles uh, down to one, uh, and then uh, you know we all, all sides. I'm still affordable, right? Yes, of course. Janine from the Bleed Red Blacks podcast filled in. Usually, she does the around the CFL uh, segment over there, doesn't a great job. And she, it was great because there were literally ten minutes warning. I put the I know. call out there on Twitter. Uh, Brian from the BC Lions Den uh, pod, he, he tweeted me, and he was solo as well. But clearly, <laughs> he's got better work ethic than me, because I'm like, I'm not doing this alone. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it came down to. I, I mean, I was I, the reaction we got from the CFL uh, Twitter community it was, was cool. just outstanding. I mean, we had, uh, while you're recording, I mean, my phone's blowing up, uh, you know, while I'm out for dinner, while you're recording... Uh, Last week, we're also getting messages from people from Eskimo Empire. Jade, uh, a special uh, stick tap or tip of the cap to Jade, who invited me out to a tailgate party. Unfortunately, I was unable to attend a couple weeks ago there, but lots of people reaching out and saying, hey, yeah, we'll come help you out. So I'm glad I'm glad you had fun in my absence, but uh, don't get used to it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out podcast. Do have to lead the thing off with uh, Grey Cup ticket sales. Very worrisome, I think, in Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I was at Investors Group Field calling the Saskatoon Hilltops at Winnipeg Rifles. First off, uh, the best barn in all of Canada to pretty well uh, call a uh, call a game from, in my humble opinion. I got to give a couple shout outs with that too. Uh, Phil, one of the listeners of the Two and Out CFL podcast, he gave us a ride to Investors Group Field so I'd have time to swing by the Bomber Store. Also, Tom, a follower of mine and our podcast, Tom Halleck, uh, who did stats for me uh, with former Two and Out CFL podcast co-host. Clay 
Clayton Croker. So a uh, fun little day in Winnipeg. But yeah, we're walking around, talking to some of the locals there. Definitely some concern over the ticket sales in Winnipeg. Sounds like they're only putting up half the temporary seating that they originally planned to. Sounds shady as heck because the league's saying, well, you know, it's for the I best know. game day experience. Like, no, it's because the tickets aren't selling. Uh, and I mean, when you look at it, typically the past few years, you know, the Grey Cup's always been in the home of a team that's that's expects to be there. Any Bomber fans from the beginning of this year to, to today and beyond that says, oh, yeah, we're going to be there, you're delusional. It's not going to happen. So a combination of that and then the best traveling team usually is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who are 0-8 and, and also are unlikely to be there. I could see there being an uptick of, of tickets if the Riders do go on some sort of run here, which we'll talk about this later, but I think they're a, a, a poised to do exactly that, but we'll leave that for a little bit later. But yeah, the league definitely has to be concerned, and I mean, if you're Winnipeg, you're suiting yourself in the foot, they got all this debt to pay off in that new stadium, and Grey Cup was going to be the way to make all this money back and maybe, you know, get ahead of yourselves and Right now, they're not doing that. But and again, you and I always have the debate. I'm soft. You're hardcore. I don't want to sit in. I, heck, my 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 dad's folks are from Winnipeg. I spent a lot of time there in my youth. I can tell you, I don't want to be outside in Winnipeg in November. I don't. I don't think temperature is the issue anymore, especially considering. I mean, I, I could see people buying tickets up and uh, making the decision the week of not to yeah. go to the game, but. When the, when the Grey Cups wasn't traveling and it was just Vancouver, Toronto, Vancouver, Toronto, it kind of killed interest in the Grey Cup. Now that it's traveling around, we, yeah. we, we saw five years ago when it went to Edmonton that, wow, yes, it's in Edmonton. Like, the big game is in your city. You just get yeah. out there and you support it and you buy tickets. Now... Tickets for the Edmonton game, obviously it's a lot bigger stadium, more capacity, we're a lot cheaper than they are now. Between, you know, the the, the prime seating on the fifty five yard line in Winnipeg, yeah. five hundred and eighty three dollars a ticket on Ticketmaster. Wow, and, and it's no wonders. Like you, you ha- we've talked about on this podcast before. If some venues are pricing their fans out, and there they're doing it right there as well. Talk to anybody in Winnipeg, and I, and I think one of these days we should reach out to somebody in Winnipeg and just talk about yeah. the way that the game day arrangements are. My cousin's a season ticket holder. The way he explains it to me, you're three hours before kickoff. You're getting on a park and ride. You're taking a bus to Investors Group Field. Again, a beautiful place to watch football, beautiful place to call a game, a beautiful place to be a part of. But you're getting on this bus. You're sitting in the game. And then you're not home for another two hours after game time. You have to leave so early for a bomber game because everybody has to park and ride because there's only one way in to the University of Manitoba and one way out. It's an absolute logistical nightmare. So if you're if you're a Winnipeg fan, you're going, you know what? My team's not going to be there. It might be a BC Montreal kind of Grey Cup that doesn't have a lot of vested interest either way. Not slamming those two fan bases. Just saying that you know nationally, I think that one would draw the most yawns. Every other team kind of has at least pockets of fans or a great storyline. And there's but no real rivalry there between no, those two it, teams. Exactly. It's one of the few that you can't say, oh, here's a rivalry yeah. or here's a, here's a great story to it or here's a long drought. Now, if I'm a, if I'm living in Winnipeg, I know my team's not going to be in it. I know it's a nightmare to get to a regular season game on a Friday night. Imagine the nightmare it's going to be to get to the Grey Cup. I, I don't know if I'd be going. I mean, I'd probably, you know, get some phony press credentials or, in my line of work, legitimate press credentials and sit up in the press box and enjoy it from the warmth up there. I'm wondering if the 
if the lack of ticket sales here is slowing the announcement of the location of next year's Grey Cup. Now, Travis, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think we all know where 2017 is going. I got some really good sources that are telling me that to... Celebrate the 150th anniversary of Canada. Ottawa is all but assured the 2017 Grey yeah, Cup. Perfect. And you know that perfect. they're, they're, they're going to make a really, really, really big deal out of that. Yeah. 16, though, where do you go? You've already burnt out BC, in my humble opinion. I can't see them going to Toronto in the first year. Although, you know, with, with them being guaranteed a certain number of Grey Cups uh, in the first few years in BMO Field, I wonder, maybe that's what they're working on. That's just I that that literally came to my mind as we're talking about this. And just a few months ago, it seemed like a lock that it was going to be Toronto, but the delay in the announcement kind of makes me wonder if that's not the case anymore. I'm thinking that the sales were slow last year, they didn't sell out the game. The yeah. sales are slow this year. I'm wondering if they want to go to a CFL hotbed like Edmonton just to fill the stadium again. You, you wonder something like that, or you'd have to think, traditionally you see how quick teams seem to get it, get the Grey Cup game after their new stadium. We're yeah. all assuming Ottawa's getting it in 17. You know, I'm looking at the Grey Cup game, you know where's a place that would probably sell out that hasn't seen one for a while? Hamilton. Exactly. I think I think maybe it's between the Argos and the Tabbies, but again, the CFL, you have to look at it right now. They've, they've been promised, they promised the Toronto Argonauts, Two Grey Cups in X amount of years because of the move to BMO Field to make up for some of the renovation costs. Now, if you're the Hamilton Tiger Cats brass, you're going, hey, wait, if if the Argos get, say, next year's Grey Cup, we all know 17's going to Ottawa, that means you're 18 at the earliest for a Hamilton Grey Cup, and the Tiger Cats deserve much better. I mean, you put the Grey Cup in Hamilton next year, there's a real good chance the Tabbies are going to be in it, and it's going to, I bet you, that would sell out in a heartbeat. I just can't see them doing three straight Ontario Grey Cups. And that's another problem that yeah. comes into it. But, but you know what? Let's face it. Western Canada... You know, it's for a large part. You know, you went Edmonton, you went Calgary, you went. We've BC, been spoiled you went lately. Yeah, we've been we've been spoiled. There's been a pile out there, so maybe now it's time to shift back to the east. Uh, I'd love to see a Grey Cup in Hamilton. Heck, I'd love to go to a Grey Cup in Hamilton, which is why I'm almost hoping it's 2018 because logistically and personally for me, there's no chance next year's Grey Cup is going to happen. But 2018, just maybe. Yeah, I, I totally want to see uh, Tim Hortons Field. Now, moving on from Grey Cups to coaches, well, who would have thought that our first coaching casualty would be from a 3-5 and five team? I'm not surprised. There seems to be a constant struggle for power in Montreal, dating back to the days that they had Jim Matthews. This is Jim Pop show. Don Matthews? Don Matthews, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just seems to me, ever there always seems to be a struggle for power in Montreal, especially in the Jim Pop era, that, you know, you've got Jim Pop up top that has this, this proven track record of success, he knows he has a vision for the team, and you know what, the guys who have the great cup rings to back it up. Uh, it seems to me, like, you look at the smoke, I, I know Banny tweeted us and showed that, you know, John Bowman was going, yeah, that's it, I need to find a good moving company, I think I'm done. Uh, Tom Higgins referred to John Bowman in the past tense, indicating he was done. And Jim Pop says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute here. He's not done. He's playing. So I almost wonder if it maybe stems from the Bowman disagreement and, and maybe some disagreement over Michael Sam. We still don't know that whole story there. There always seems to be a lot going on behind the scenes in Montreal, especially in the Jim Pop era. And it wouldn't be surprised to me if this was a classic Tom Higgins losing a power struggle between the GM and the coach. It's funny because... Uh Higgins, I'd say he's done pretty good. They've had five starting quarterbacks over the past season yeah. and a half. I'd say they've done okay considering 
that. I mean, three and five, they had a complete rookie quarterback that's never seen the field. And I think they've done okay. I mean, that a lot of that is because of the defense. But, yeah. man, uh, that Bowman thing has a big thing. And it's no coincidence that he was back practicing the day after Higgins was let go. Yeah, I think that's what it came down to. I think Higgins didn't like the personnel that Pomp was bringing in, and Pomp went to the owners and said, listen, this is my show, these are my players, let me run it again. It just seems to me like, I think Jim Pomp needs to just hire somebody to like coach for like six weeks until he's got enough GM stuff out of the way that he can come in and coach the team. You know, maybe like a part-time yeah. coach. You know, I, I'll go. I'll, I'll offer to be the Alouette's part-time coach. I'm sure I could do that until Jim Pop gasses me six games into a season, regardless of record. <laughs> uh, if they sign me to a three-year contract so I can still get paid after I get fired. Oh, then I could get paid to do the Two and Out CFL podcast. Yeah! And I would still do no research. Yes! I love that. <laughs> I can I can support no effort. Like, you know I, what? I could we could, we could even, if I was getting paid to do this, we could bring in an intern and I could make him bring me oh, food. I, we need an intern. We do need an intern. Um, I don't think it, it can be like... You know what? If you want to apply to be the two and out CFL podcast intern, I don't know what the duties are. It probably looks terrible on a resume, but you can tweet at us at two and out CFL. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Applications officially open uh, for the two and out CFL podcast right now. Intern, <laughs> right now, and we there might be some video tasks. I don't know. I'll make up something. Just remember, you're working for me, and I'm a bit of a diva, apparently. <laughs> Uh, Argos might be getting booted from Rogers Center if the Blue Jays oh. are going to be making the playoffs. And this, to me, is just like, get out of that stadium already. It's just, it's unfortunate that the MLS season has already started and you can't, you, you can't really go and start renovating in the middle of a season. Uh, I don't know what the heck the Argos are going to do. If this, if this, if the, this isn't the ultimate, we don't want you here. Yeah. I don't know what else is. I'm glad that they finally found, could you imagine how bleak the situation would look had they not found a new home for next year? At least everybody can kind of go, oh well, that was a complete gong show. Well, they're out of it now. Things are looking good in the land of the double blue. But <laughs> right now, at least they have that BMO field to look forward to where they're not going to get booted out because I don't think TFC will ever do anything of consequence ever in their entire history i think they're going to be playing i've heard tim hortons feel that they're just gonna go there i mean it's not really that far away so that that's it's, good it's, it's not far away it's a top-notch venue why wouldn't you do it or and especially with the argos too trying to build that fan base leading into next season i'd hate to see them go to one of the university stadiums that yeah. maybe only hold five or six thousand that's the last thing that team you know should be doing and isn't it crazy to think that you know you could have a game that's deciding the east division you know, top spot in the east on the line at in like my backyard, basically. That's an important part of the season, like uh, yeah, like you might as well go find a park. Hey, hey, let's put up some stands. Let's go play in a park. Hey, uh, just hey guys, just so you y'all know, the dip by the swing sets of the sandbox that's out of bounds, right? <laughs> the field kind of juts in a bit. Uh, if you make it to the tire swing, that's a touchdown. You just but you have to touch the tire swing for the touchdown. All right, tweet. Let's go. Yeah, man, I remember as a kid, I would, but I don't think kids are like this anymore, but I would just leave home and I would walk to this park because I knew yep. there would be all these kids there ready to play baseball. And there was three trees 
that we would use for bases. And second base was like way out in the middle of nowhere. But <laughs> we had an absolute blast playing baseball with the trees as the bases. And I think that would be uh, going back to the roots for the Argos. <laughs> you know what? That'd be fun. Or do I remember when I was living in Lloydminster, a bunch of us one night, it was a warm November evening, we decided to play football. And, we, you know, it was snow covered. It was a little icy. So we went and played in the back alley behind this house I used to rent. And we're out there playing. It's, you know, seven. 7, 8 o'clock, it's not late, and next thing you know, the police show up. Like, spotlights, everything, and the police Whoa. officer gets out, he's like, what are you guys doing? We got a complaint that you're breaking in, breaking into houses. We're all wearing <laughs> football jerseys. I'm, I'm, I've got a football on my hands. I'm like, uh, actually, officer, we're just playing football. <laughs> and he looks, he's like, really? He's like, you're like, I'm like, oh yeah, we're all in our 20s. I'm like, you want to join in? So the officer goes, okay, so I throw no the pass. Way! It was great. That is awesome. Unfortunately, we were a little loud. He did have to come by again a second time and said, <laughs> hey, boys, listen, you're a little loud. It's a little late. Need you to shut her down, but I'm glad you had fun. I'm glad you weren't doing anything bad. So we did that. Uh, and again, we have we used to have, we call them super colossal megabowls. Again, we're 24, 25 years old. <laughs> we'd go find a field. We'd draft teams, and away we went. You know, I, uh, I've only ever lost once as a quarterback in that game. And uh, I believe uh, loyal listener Tyrell was on the other uh, on the other team, but I'm not quite sure. Now, the only thing that bothers me about this Rogers Center thing is that now that the National Football League is back in business, I keep hearing Bush League this, Bush League that, and it does look stupid that the Argos have nowhere to play. And I would like to see them play at York. I think it's cool that they go back uh, where they used to play when yeah. they're playing there. But I'm just tired of hearing that and. It, it does. It does look bush league, though. I mean, that I is. Know. I mean, I mean, how many relocated games do you see? And you know what? We we got into it with that AJHL scout for the Lloyd Bobcats. You don't even see that happen in the Amer in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Let's let's be honest. Like it is kind of a bush league move, and that shows just how messed up this Argus situation has been for the past five six years. I mean, I'll give credit where credits due. It makes the league look completely unprofessional. Uh, but again, this is what happens when. One of your biggest right when you know TSN is owned by Bell Media, which is a big part of the CFL, and Rogers owns the Rogers Center, the two biggest corporations. They're not going to play nice together, and that's just the uniqueness of this uh, Argo situation. And I'm so glad it's coming to an end. Yeah, like I, I want nothing more than to just wear my Steve Austin shirt and flip the double bird to them. I'm like, come on, they're a pro team too, and I just want to ah. But it's in the, it's in the, the lease they signed, Trav. It's in, it's in the lease. I mean, it's they've always known forever since the since they've been playing there that they are the second banana. It's right in the wording of the lease. It's not like this is a surprise. If anything, I'm sure, I'm sure the Argos have had discussions, you know, behind the scenes for years. Where are we going to play if we have to do this? I mean, we're just glad we're not in the messy situation of 2017, where if they hadn't found a home, that's it, Gonzo, goodbye. No, I haven't said this before, but go Yankees. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Make a relax there, no, son. No way. Go Evil Empire. Let's do it. Uh, signing. You do, in. you do realize the most likely conflict is a one-game wildcard playoff, so if the Yankees lost a whole lot, you know... Basically, the Jays, if they get if they get home field in the uh, American League Division Series, okay, that's, that's the best for everybody. Go Angels and Yankees, then. Uh, 
<laughs> Too much baseball for my liking, man. Uh, Jasper Simmons, after a Twitter war uh, last weekend, you you missed the show. We could have talked Twitter war. We could have started our own. But uh, Jasper Simmons, uh, his agent, starts a Twitter war. Now he signs in Winnipeg. He'll probably see the field against his former Stampeders this weekend. Oh, probably, because the Blue Bomber defense needs it. Uh, yeah. We're going to find out in an awful hurry if Sleazy McSleazy McAgentson is uh, going to uh, is actually his player if he was right his player deserved more playing time because he's going to get it in Winnipeg with Jasper Simmons landing yeah. there uh, actually it was funny I was on the CFL nerd podcast right when that all went down uh, so I was on with CFL nerd and we were talking uh, about that at length so I, I did miss out on my own podcast here but for a lot of my thoughts uh, they're they're actually surprisingly not filled with rage I loved it actually seeing players that don't like each other uh, go at it in a public forum. Uh, I talked to see C- on the CFL Nerd podcast about that, but so I that- see how this works. You're just going over there instead. Of, you're, you're betraying me. You're doing the old Vince McMahon double cross here. Listen, he recorded it Monday at 9 in the morning after I got off a bus from Calgary with the Hilltops. <laughs> you were all like, oh, Tuesday night. Now he said, oh, yeah, Tuesday night's fine. I'm Choose an idiot. your wife or me, John. Your wife or me. We all know where you stand with this one. <laughs> and I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> it is clearly my wife, you dumbass. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter last weekend as well, but uh, a fan in Regina posted a picture at the Regina Airport with Josh Gordon, who, of course, uh, is a Cleveland Browns receiver suspended for the entire year, but he's on the nag list of the Calgary Stampeders who were in Regina last weekend. I think it's a a complete non-story. the NFL and the CFL have that new agreement saying that we're going to honor each other's yeah, suspension from that. now on. I mean, they basically they signed that in a hurry after the Ray Rice situation because Ray Rice is agent, of course. Where else can you go to play high caliber football? There's a reason, and to the to the CFL haters, there's a reason that the first minute that these guys can't play in the NFL, they pick up the phone and go, "Hey, can I come play in Canada?" But I see this one as a way different situation than Ray Rice. Like, I look at the story of what Josh Gordon's in trouble for, and I'm like, really? He just smoked a lot of weed, right? Yeah, and the, and then the second time, I guess he was on the substance abuse program, and I, I, don't, I can't remember if he had a DUI or he just was caught with drinking, and I was you like... Why? Like if he if he had a DUI, he deserves to and not play. And that's and that's my take on that one. But um, you're right. If he was just caught drinking, it seems to be less severe than others. But I think you're going to get into all sorts of a uh, real messy situation if you let suspended guys down south come up north to play. Uh, then again, the NFL, there's a lot of teams that basically say after shenanigans like this, they'll release you. And I mean, if the Cleveland Browns were to release Josh Gordon, I believe there's somewhere in the wording of that that he could play up north. So maybe the guy just wanted to check out some football. I don't know. Maybe maybe he met a girl in Regina. So here's yeah. what happened. He got suspended for having a DUI. And then at the end of the year, he got tested positive for having alcohol. So then he mm. got suspended again. For the entire year, so I mean, I mean the, so but I mean the guys, the guy again to compare to what Ray Rice did, it is absolutely no contest. Ray Rice should have been suspended for a hell of a lot longer than Josh Gordon is. I mean, but Josh Gordon was still stupid enough to yeah. 
A, commit a DUI, and then B, drink when you know you couldn't be drinking. I don't think we'll ever see a situation where suspended NFL players will play in the CFL ever again. Now, I, I, I don't know what he was doing there. I mean, heck, there's some high-quality women in Saskatchewan. Maybe, well, that's maybe my he met question. Of, of all places, you choose Regina? Now, I'm a Ryder fan, but man. <laughs> You couldn't Sask- go to the Calgary-Montreal game? Like, <laughs> come on. No, uh, maybe he wanted it. You know what, though? There's been so much press in the States, especially... Remember when Peter King of the Monday Morning Quarterback came up here and wrote that really nice piece? Yeah, that about, was awesome. ...about how good Regina is? Maybe guys want to check it out. Maybe he's got an old college roommate that that's, that plays ball on one of the teams. You know, we haven't really lined it up. As far as him playing in the... I mean, obviously there's going to be mystery, there's going to be speculation, but there's no chance you're going to see him in the CFL. The, uh, just imagine him and Eric Rogers on the same team. <laughs> then just just give the Grey Cup to Calgary. I could go back there and play quarterback. Yeah, that would be incredible. Did you see this uh, on Sunday? Red Blacks and Riders. The one millionth fan of the season is expected to go through the gates, and that one millionth fan is going to get a free trip to the Grey Cup in Winnipeg. Winnipeg, right? yes. Yeah. So. Of all the lists, and again, I'm from Winnipeg. Or my dad's from Winnipeg. I'm a Blue Bomber <laughs> fan. I love Winnipeg. It's one great city. But of all the trips to give away, you win a trip to the Great Cup game in Winnipeg where you can go freeze your badonkadonk off uh, and probably watch two teams that aren't the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. No, I, in all seriousness, it's a great prize. I'd love to. If somebody came up to me and said, here's a free trip to the Great Cup in Winnipeg, I'd do it. So I'm kind of hoping, you know, that, that you need uh, that you need a driver again, that we can make arrangements just like in uh, 2011. But you think, I paid what? for a trip to Winnipeg, so who's the loser here? <laughs> That's you. Um, I, I think, no, in all seriousness, it's going to be a great game. It'd be a great trip to win anybody any cfl fan would want to win it but it just it seems to me like one millionth fan i thought you were going to say like free season tickets for life like how cool that to me is what the one millionth fan should get like you should if you're the one millionth fan you should be able to watch you know phone but that's the league only the one millionth and, fan of the season like it happens every year you know oh yeah 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 i, yeah. Yeah, I, I was gonna say that that number seemed really low but still one millionth fan of the season you should get something cooler than just then you know just just a great cup trip, and I'm just saying just a great cup trip from a guy that's been to three, but uh, I don't know why all of a sudden I couldn't do math. Why I was thinking he was one millionth fan all the time. That might be the dumbest thing I've said in a long time. <laughs> oh, let's leave it at that. Time for the Fantasy Expose on the 2 and Out podcast. Let's start with the BC and Montreal game. Now, I wrote about this on CFLPass.ca. It has been a long time. Since the Montreal Alouettes have won in BC, it was the year 2000. Tiger Woods was still good at golf. (laughs) Mario Lemieux had just returned to the NHL. The Devils had just won their second Stanley Cup. Survivor was just debuting on TV. Nickelback wasn't even overplayed on radio yet. And Jean Chrétien was the Prime Minister of Canada. That was a long time ago. Uh, Take a guess of what the number one song of 2000 was, according to Billboard. Uh, Is it something by NSYNC? No, it is Faith Hill with Breathe. I can feel you breathe, washing over me, and suddenly I'm melting into you. Oh, man. (laughs) Santana and Rob Thomas with Smooth was the second one. Hey, that's a good tune. 
Uh, wow, it's a good year for Rob Thomas. Matchbox 20 with yes. Bent comes in at number 9. Uh, Creed gra- grasp at your camera the way that they always used to in their music videos, reaching out to you with higher. Uh, three Doors Down, an underrated song. Kryptonite was uh, was 16. Uh, whoever Mark Anthony is, it came in at 22 and 23. Lots of instinct on there. Isn't uh, that uh, Madonna's old uh, boyfriend or something? Oh, man, coming in at 49. 49, okay. Here, I'm going to text you the song because you have to play it in the background. Who let the dogs out or something? Eiffel 65 with Blue! Oh, man! <laughs> that is... Turn it got... off! Turn it off! <laughs> See, this is why we need an intern that can do that. Uh, LFO, you know. Uh, wow, lots of lots of goo goo dolls, lots of great stuff on there. So yeah, this is the last time the Alouettes beat BC. Uh, Don, I think Don Matthews was coach. Uh, Mike Pringle was running back. Winston October was returning kicks. Year two thousand. What were you doing, Travis Cura? Wow, I was. Uh... I was graduating grade eight, and uh, I had already reached my adult height of five foot nine. So I was the starting uh, strong forward on the basketball team. I was in the sixth grade or the fifth grade. <laughs> we just made a lot of people feel old. I think. Uh, I think so. Well, <laughs> so, so let's let, let's talk been. about the game. Okay, th- that is how long it's been. Just to put things in perspective uh, <laughs> here, uh, the, the Lions. I don't know what it is. They start off the game awesome. They, they they seem to always get a you know a first drive touchdown and then after that the wheels completely fall off. The Montreal defense uh, shut them down for the rest of the game. There were so many jokes about something only lasting about thirty seconds that I don't want to make on this podcast. So I'm just <laughs> gonna let let's just pause and let our listeners use their imagination. Okay. The BC Lions leads last just about as long as. <laughs> Oh, man. Now, Gross. Anyways, this- <laughs> yes, you're right. The BC Lions, and I think Derek Taylor, who was a guest of the show, we got to get Derek back on here one of these yeah. days. Uh, he said here that he wouldn't be surprised to see the BC Lions be a great cup contender, um, much like me thinking the millionth fan was an all-time thing uh, <laughs> and how wrong I was with that. I think Derek uh, might be a touch-off on, uh, on, on BC. He admitted as much on Twitter. Now... The thing here is BC or Montreal, they totally took advantage of BC being without Solomon Elamimian. I know that Alex Hoffman Ellis had 10 tackles, but the running game for Montreal here was incredible. They got Rutley involved, they got Logan involved, and Sutton was a bruiser 111 yards, 14 carries. I dropped him in a fantasy league. Now yeah. I'm regretting it because Shakir Bell is sucking. Yeah, uh, and I and I could have had him in a trade in the fantasy league. That trade really is not working out for either of us, is no, it? No, it's not. It's- we should just stop. I love when you go into the game summaries on CFL.ca and you look at like how many guys rushed the ball there. Sutton, 14-1-11. Logan, 5 for 54. Rutley, 10 for 50. Tanner Marsh, 7 for 12. Fred Stamps, 1 for 11. <laughs> Charette had 1 for 8. Rakim Cato, 1 for 5. And Travis Cura, 1 for a loss of 3. <laughs> and they, they totally prevented Rakim Cato from really failing. He didn't have 
the most flashiest game, but he went 16 for 19, 154 yards, and the first touchdown of the game was a pick to Ryan Phillips. But after that, he goes, I guess, 15 for 18. He had a great, great game. Yeah, that is a, a strong showing by uh, Rakeem Cato. Uh, when you can have a completion percentage that high, that's very wise by whoever's actually running things in Montreal uh, yeah. to, to, to make sure that uh, Cato just d- didn't lose them a game. 16 to 19, he's not going to win you a fantasy matchup, but he looks like he's going to win Montreal games. And another thing with Montreal, holy crap, it took them this long to make Anthony Calvillo quarterbacks coach? Yeah, <laughs> like are, are was... you are you kidding me? Like, it, well, how was we not your quarterbacks coach the day he retired? That doesn't make any sense to me. Here, I, uh, I, I can tell you, receivers. he came out shortly after his uh, retirement. He came out here and worked with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies quarterbacks because uh, Scott Flory is the offensive coordinator out here, his old running mate. And I can tell you, talking to the boys, uh, you know, Drew Burko and the rest of the Huskies quarterbacks, they're like, "Wow, what we learned from from Anthony was just so much." And you know what? Let's watch what Raheem Cato does. Maybe two, three weeks time now with Anthony Calvillo fixing him up. Now, I love Calvillo, but doesn't he look like the least athletic quarterback of all time? Yeah, like- <laughs> I, I I would say so. Um, he just he kind of looks like a guy that you know works in the next cubicle beside you. Be like Anthony, beers and wings tonight? Yeah, totally. Oh wait, you got to go be the CFL's best ever. That's okay. Next time. Hey, you hear about Linda and accounting? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was, and he would just go and throw touchdowns nonstop. It always made me so mad when he would run for touchdowns on the riders. I'm like, what? He's got <laughs> like a seven. From? He's got like a eight second forty. Like this is insane. Come eight on, se- eight seconds. That's generous. But <laughs> he was just. He was. Everybody had to respect the pass that much yeah. that you'd watch him. He'd rip off a thirty yard gain. He was. I, I think we could call him sneaky athletic. You know, I, he's he's one guy I've never really had an opportunity to meet in my career. He's one guy I'd love to have the opportunity to meet. Uh, but you know, sneaky athletic just throws an absolute beauty of a ball and proving and obviously at super intelligent guy because you know quarterback is being just about as much about preparation as it is physical skills i mean you got guys out there all over the place who can throw a good deep ball i was playing catch on the way to uh on the way to winnipeg with croker uh who played in the junior football league and that guy can throw a tight spiral but uh you know he's a bit on the two and out cfl podcast listen for yourself and make the assumptions on the mental game of croakers uh but (laughs) calvillo just smart well-spoken uh and sneaky athletic as for bc they did try to establish the run with harris who is going to continue to see plenty of touches but the defense uh, on montreal they were totally prepared for that eight oh, carries for 10 yards just a harris. gross game if he was one of your guys i mean travis lule led bc in rushing with 12 yards yeah 12 just think of how short 12 yards is you know just just picture it in your mind it's not long. 18 to 29 for Lule, another whole hum uninspiring game. 216, a touchdown interception. Uh, BC guys not really looking like great fantasy plays. Uh, Emmanuel Arsenault, though, 3 for 51 and a touchdown, so at least that probably saved your day. Leonard, 5 for 68. Uh, he was the leading BC receiver. But yeah, not a lot of. 
as you go through, it's not even like the kicker had a good game. No. 0 for one on his uh, one field goal attempt. Uh, can we give can we give you know points for punting? But like you said, Hoffman Ellis uh, did have a big game. Adam Big Hill did uh, defensively because BC is quickly becoming that team that looks like their defense is going to be out there a lot. So mm. you know, even if you're between a BC defender and somebody else, I'd be picking up that BC defender. Yeah, Manny Arsenault was actually dropped in one of my leagues. Uh, wow! I, I picked him up, got me a touchdown. Uh, big uh, contributor to my fantasy lineup this week that's for sure wow no that's surprising that we're in a conversation that somebody is dropping Manny Arsenault yeah now let's go to Friday night football Hamilton and Edmonton now of course uh it's been talked about uh Eskimo defense hasn't given up an offensive touchdown since week 12 of last year that changed. Uh, that very changed. Uh, <laughs> they gave up six. Um, three passing. Zach Claros, 18 to 30, 325, three touchdowns. Rushing Claros ran in another one. Where's uh, Marty York? Where's Holly- Marty York? Oh, <laughs> calls him out. You need to cut a promo to call up Marty York on this. I know Josh Smith, Apotsky, we we would probably be in agreement there. Are the Eskimo? Do we know if the Eskimo Empire podcast guys are okay? I haven't really seen them on Twitter a lot. Uh, I actually uh, ran into Andrew at the game. It was before the game. Yeah. Uh, because he was running a bit late, and they were giving out selfie sticks to the first uh, 7,000 people there. So he tweeted me. He's like, man, I'm running late. Get me a selfie stick. Yeah. So I got Did- him a selfie stick, but he was in good mood then uh, not so much after i was gonna yeah. say did you you know you're a large man with a glorious beard and probably wearing a rider jersey i'm uh, how did I you was. pull that because i'm not i don't think you could just be like discreetly like sneak out and then sneak back in no everybody notices me man <laughs> i know see like i'm pretty i'm like a typical like five foot nine inch tall fat guy with a beer gut <laughs> i might have been able in. to pull it off you blend in. I don't. <laughs> no, no. Which, which is why, which is why I like traveling with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but then now you stick out because you're with me. Hey, it gives me the attention. 18 of 30 for 325 for Kalaros. Nick Grigsby, uh, the leading rusher for Hamilton, only with 49 yards, ripped off a 40-yard long. Uh, but he only had four carries, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not a lot of rushing the ball there in, in Hamilton. But like I said, touchdowns by Kalaros. Holly Banks uh, also getting a rushing touchdown. That's going to uh, keep things good. Luke Tasker, 5 for 129, no scores. Uh, Tyrell Stinkfield. I love how when like you actually start knowing a guy, they start adding the junior Tyrell Sinkfield <laughs> junior six for 118 63 yard long two touchdowns big fantasy game from him uh Tolliver three for 37 and uh one touchdown so the Ticats uh receiving core hasn't really slowed down since Andy Fantu's no. went on the sixth game well and I think what happened here is that the Hamilton defense was so tired about hearing how good the Eskimo defense is and they're like Okay, let's yeah. play. Now, they were without Craig Butler, and I actually picked up Daly in uh, one of our fantasy leagues. Seven tackles. He had a sack, a forced fumble, and two interceptions. I think it was 35 points. That, I know. That's a pretty good day out of defender. Uh, Reed with a pair of forced fumbles as well. Uh, Ganey, 10 tackles. So kind of uh, if you had a Hamilton Tiger Cat that was uh, in the starting lineup in this game, you yeah. probably did okay. Yeah, no kidding. As for Edmonton... Man, uh, two fumbles by Shakir Bell. I think that Chad Simpson, he's going to have another shot to lead this offense on the ground. Well, you'd have to assume so, and only eight carries for 24. But, of course, when you have to abandon the run that early yeah. uh, um, and go to the passing. But, man, passing-wise, and I've been saying it for a long time, I'm going to sing this song. Hang on. 
I was right and you were wrong. I'm going to sing the <laughs> I was right song. I told you Franklin was a better option than Nichols. 22-36, 2.54, two touchdowns, the one pick, four carries for 61 yards. And Franklin will be starting this Friday uh, as Edmonton hosts Toronto. I was right song. I was right and you were wrong. I'm going to sing the I was right song. Now, I I know this doesn't show up on stat sheets. I I know you can't really track it. I feel like the Eskimo offense is more inspired by Franklin. They they just want to play harder for him, it seems like that. Uh, to me, and I know stats doesn't track that or anything like that. Yeah, I, I just well, feel like they step it up more when he's on the field. Well, you'd be one to attest to that, considering you're an Edmonton Eskimo season ticket holder, so you see, you know, the way that the guys carry themselves and stuff in a way that sometimes the TV audiences don't. And it's exactly what we're seeing in Saskatchewan and Winnipeg when Drew Willie is down. Yeah, they they give up when when Durant goes down. It seems like nothing goes right. So. I'm not saying you know they hate Matt Nichols or anything like that, but uh, when Franklin's out there, it seems like he just brings a new energy to the offense. Now, how about Darrell Walker for the 14 Eskimos? Fourteen grabs, <laughs> one eighty-three. Like now, he's he's got over he must he has over three hundred yards, and he's only played two games. He might overtake Bowman because it looks like Bowman is getting uh, cases of the drops. He's returning. And that plagued him in his first CFL start. It was in Winnipeg. He was notorious for getting the drops. So you have to wonder if that starts coming back with the Darius Bowman. Uh, maybe he won't be quite the threat. And, and teams are keying on him, too. I'd, I'd take a flyer on Walker right now. If yeah. he's available out there, go pick him up if you can. Because uh, it always seems like there's at least one or two guys that come out of nowhere, come off the bench and produce uh, with 14 grabs, showing great chemistry with Franklin. Uh, he might be the guy. And, uh, you know, I feel like Edmonton is going to come back out this Friday. They're going to look a lot better. Uh, Look for them to get Lawrence the ball more as well as maybe Chad Simpson. So keep an eye out on the depth charts uh, when they come out uh, later this week. I'm going to be really interested to see if with Walker's emergence, if maybe uh, they're going to move Lawrence back to a running back spot instead of a wideout spot. Right. Yeah, because they're they're struggling there. And he does make things happen every time he touches the ball, that's for sure. Uh, Saturday, man, (laughs) so frustrating. Calgary and Saskatchewan. Stamps win 34-31, and man, we can sum up the Ryder season uh, just by looking at the end of the second quarter. Uh, they tried a 65-yard field goal, yep. missed it. Tim Brown on the return gets clotheslined by, was it Ricky Richards? Yep. And then on the very next play, uh, a Madden Hail Mary to Eric Rogers with six defenders in the area. <laughs> and that was terrible. That was some of the worst. If, if That summarizes the Ryder season right there. That is some of the worst defensive play I've seen ev- anywhere ever. How, how are there six of them and none of them make a play on the ball not a single one that's just terrible 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 football the other thing i want to know is is how the hell saskatchewan didn't go after ronnie pfeiffer no i don't know like uh, like mccallum mccallum has been very good for them this year there's no denying that but how long is mccallum going to kick you could have got a young kicker uh who instead that Ottawa basically said, yeah, we'll take him. See you later, Chris Milo. And Milo had been pretty good since going to Ottawa. So yep. 
I think the Riders just completely misfired on that. I think that defensive play was awful. But that all being said, they cut down the number of penalties they took. And if it wasn't for that boneheaded play, probably would have had a chance at beating the Calgary Stampeders. I really like Brett Smith. I got to tell a short story here, too, about the Riders. So I'm on my way back from Winnipeg with the Saskatoon Hilltops. It's Sunday. The Hilltops have posted a 50-9 win over the Winnipeg Rifles. So we stop in Mooseman at the co-op gas station to get some snacks. We pull up. There's a there's a band on the roof playing Megadeth, which was I, I, they're playing Ace of Spades. It was great. Um, Motorhead, yeah. It, it, sorry, Motorhead, yes. It, I don't know my 80s hair bands as well as you do. I know my heavy metal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so needless, the- needless to say, there's a barbecue going on for the local minor football team, five bucks a burger. So we all roll through the whole team buying burgers, buying pop, stomping in and getting our chips to the co-op. And then all of a sudden, there's like, yeah, there was a whole bunch of Riders players there. I'm like, who the heck would the team send the day after a loss like that? Kevin, I saw Kevin Glenn, Brett Smith, and Nick Dembski all there at the co-op. This is a day after they've lost, and the three of them are there talking to fans. There's a couple guys on the hilltops that had attended Ryder Camp, and Matt Cozen and Evan Turkington talking to them. They're you know they're old campmates and everything. And you know what? Like class move by those players, class move by the Riders for not saying, okay, here's the three guys who didn't play out here to make an appearance the day after a loss like that to see Brett Smith there out meeting fans and and Kevin Glenn and Nick Dembski. And I know there was a fourth, and I just I didn't see him, and and the name escapes me at this moment, but. Class move by the rider, rider organization. Uh, I know. Uh, the, uh, I know Andrew, Dan, and, and Ryan, the three guys I've always dealt with on the front office side. Like, well done, guys. And and coming from a Bomber fan, pains me to say it, but that was really well done. At this point, I'm wondering if it's going to be an open competition between Brett Smith and Darian Durant next year. Uh, at camp, uh, at least a little bit more than uh, just Durant being a shoe-in, obviously. Well, I still think that Brett Smith still needs a little seasoning. I don't think a year But he'll behind... start the rest of the year. I think Kevin Glenn's coming back and starting. I don't think... If if he comes back and they're... And say Brett Smith goes on a run here, he beats Ottawa and then he beats Winnipeg... Why, why bring in uh, Kevin Glenn? Let's see what you have with Brett Smith, because Glenn probably not going to be a rider next year, and if he is, he's not going to be a rider the year after. No, that's for sure. Uh, it'll be a very interesting situation. It all comes down to what the riders do here in the next few games, and I honestly think, I honestly think, Travis, and call me insane, this is the same guy that said they're going to go 6-12. and 12. I think they might make the playoffs still. Well, with Winnipeg and B.C., struggling now they they already lost to bc twice so that kind of makes things tough when it comes to a uh a tiebreaker there oh for sure it makes things tough when it comes to the tiebreaker but you know i look at i look at bc's coming schedule and i mean they're off this weekend but then they're at montreal that's never an easy game for for any team they're at home to the all caps uh again that one's a toss-up to me at calgary not a lot of teams do a lot of good things at calgary at edmonton I don't see a lot of real winnable games in that stretch. And then they host Saskatchewan, which could be an absolutely massive game on Saturday, October 3rd. But the Riders right now are going at Ottawa, an Ottawa team who I would consider, you know, this one's going to be a 50-50 chance between the two of them. They're dangerous at home, for sure. And I know uh, Ottawa going to BC. Did you know that Ottawa hasn't won a game? I know they're 4-4, four and four, but they haven't won a game outside of the Eastern time zone. <laughs> 
That's interesting. No, yeah. I did not. I did not know that, and I guess that's part of the fun of the East Division. But realistically, the Riders have four winnable games. They're at Ottawa, home to Ottawa, and then the home and home with Winnipeg. There could easily there needs to for that team there needs to be a four and zero, and I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just I'm not saying it will, but I'm not saying I would. I look at this Riders team and go, "There's no way they go four and zero here." Yeah, they had a couple tough losses in a row now. Well. All eight of them have been tough uh, to Toronto last but, week and Calgary this week. They're, they're so close. By a combined 16 points. And the thing is, yeah. I thought that was going to go away once Brett Smith took the reins. It has not. Uh, Jerome Messam, a nice game, 10 for 75. Smith doing it with his arm and his legs, 13-24, three touchdowns. First rider quarterback to do that in well over a year. Uh, and then eight rushes for 54 yards. Nick Dembski with the play of the game, one catch, yeah, 72. Uh, Weston Dressler with a touchdown catch, uh, six grabs, 34. Uh, Wilson, one of the rookies, uh, a nice 24-yard touchdown grab. Uh, and another rookie coming in, Carroll, uh, one grab, 15 yards, uh, and a touchdown. But, uh, again, it's not all looking like doom and gloom in Saskatchewan. Uh, I thought Brackenridge did a really good job moving in at linebacker, getting six tackles and an interception. I, I do want to talk about Brackenridge because uh, he was dropped in our uh, fantasy league, the one with jelly beans on the line, and... Uh, he was moved to linebacker, and I'm yep. like, uh, yeah, I'm going to pick him up now because yeah. he's he's going to be involved in twice as many plays. And we saw it. He was all over the field. Yeah, six tackles. And that big pick at the end, it looked like, oh, my God, it's in my hands. I don't know what to do. Yeah, because none of us have done this at all. They And the thing is, too, with the Riders, they finally won the turnover battle 3-2. Uh, to two. But, of course, you know, the winning team in this one was the Calgary Stampeders. Bo Levi Mitchell, up and down game, 23-35, 3-0-3, three touchdowns to two interceptions. Uh, Matt Walter paying off some patience of some owners that might have kept him in the lineup. 20 carries, 110 yards for the Canadian. Eric Rogers keeps on doing what Eric Rogers does. Seven grabs, 105 yards and a touchdown. Remember when we told you right here on 2 and Out CFL, he'd be really good. Uh, Harrison, two catches, both of them touchdowns, 38 yards. The final drive at the end was just defining, you know, a trademark drive for the Stamps as of late. The Riders had a shot to get the ball back. Walter just ran it down their throats. It yep. was it was tough. He he really showed them up. Now what I don't get about Saskatchewan here is Messam gets ten carries. Double that, man. Give him more. Yeah, but whatever they're doing seems to be working. I mean, if you're putting up thirty one points and losing, I mean thirty one points would have won you two other games this week. You would have beat Montreal in their 23 and Ottawa in their 24. So, to me, don't change a thing with that offense. It's working. We all know what was going to happen to Jacques Chapeldain offense. It's gonna, you're going to pass a lot. And he continues to show that. Messam is proving that he is you know, a little bit of vintage Jerome Messam, but they're never going to be run-heavy in Saskatchewan. As far as Calgary goes, you know, they're Calgary. Yep, uh, they're Rogers, they're good. Uh, to me, to me, if if the Calgary was a you know like a wrestler in in the WWE WWF, uh, they their finishing move would be that drive at the end. Like you think we're done, oh, we're yeah. gonna rush it down your throat. One, two, three, you're done. It's like when Hogan just starts. You know, you start hating him, and then he starts shaking, and he starts hulking up, and <laughs> then he points at you, and he slings you off the ropes, and you get a boot in your face, and a leg across your throat. Next thing you know, the game's over. That is basically the Calgary Stampeders of that last drive as Matt Walter picked up first down after first down. They were hulking out. Brother, now, 
He's probably not a very popular pickup right now. Troy Harrison had a nice game because he's got the receiving chops. Yep. And he's getting a few carries from Matt Walters. If you're really strapped at running back in your fantasy league, whether it's buys or injuries, Troy Harrison might be a nice pickup for you. If he hasn't been picked up already, yeah. yeah go grab exactly. him if you can. Now let's go to the All Caps and Argos. That was a fun game to watch. Yeah, I love the I love the fun ones. Except I was on a bus and couldn't watch it. I missed all of it because I was poor, doing the hilltops. Poor Henry Burris, thirty-two of thirty-six for four hundred and twenty-six yards. He didn't have a touchdown, but he also didn't have an interception. And this is all because of the return of Swayze Waters. Now Ronnie Peffer was great. Yeah. For uh, for the Argos filling in for Swayze Waters, but Waters comes back and th- the punts that he had, he had an average of just under fifty one yards, and he was pinning Ottawa deep, so they had a long field every single drive. And to me, it's surprising that Waters hasn't had a shot down south, but. Uh... <laughs> I think part of his thing has been injury troubles, though, with Swayze Waters. I mean, this isn't the first time he's been hurt. If he could stay healthy, yeah, I think he's going to get a shot down south. You're right. Like, that shows just what special teams can do. I was talking to uh, former Winnipeg Blue Bomber and uh, Saskatchewan special teams coordinator uh, Brian Giebert, uh, who, by the way, was wearing a bomber polo at uh, U of S Huskies practice today. Gave me some love on the bomber polo. We're going to have him on the show one of these days. And uh, like I said to Giebs, I said, hey, man, I'm like, you only you only get noticed if things go very right or very wrong and he's like that's absolutely correct but and that's the way you want it i guess (laughs) yeah and things went very right for swayze waters three for three of the field goals and like you said if you could get points for punt returns or punting uh that would be it (laughs) and short fields for the argos to work at i mean trevor harris once again i think ricky ray quietly going to the six game injured list is this team very quietly saying we're not going to take our chances we're not going to create a quarterback controversy no use rushing him back as harris was 21 of 31 for 266 three touchdowns getting it done when he needed to one uh one interception the mistake not a lot of running not a lot of running this weekend as a whole brandon whitaker no. leading them six for 20 yards uh hazelton four for 55 leading receiver touchdown Gurley had the other touchdown and uh elliot oh, those young toronto receivers the again, trio the, oh. the trio of rookie receivers all get touchdowns yeah and uh, the trio of they found him out of nowhere now they're great pieces with trevor harris so the the no-name toronto offense that none of us would have picked any of those guys coming in but they were uh, they were unreal again now it looks like chad owens is going to miss the game against edmonton as well so deontay spencer continues to be a legitimate option for your fantasy team i actually started him he had another all right game four catches for 51 yards going to the ottawa backfield siobhan walker lost his job so he was returning punts jeremiah johnson he didn't have you know the best yards per carry average but he had two touchdowns that is what really helps you out in fantasy again another one of those guys he's probably picked up but if you're struggling uh, when it comes to running backs jeremiah johnson would be a very good pickup and those receivers for uh, ottawa continue to impress yeah there it's ottawa's receivers are quickly becoming guys that uh, you want to get your hands on you never you never thought that you know that Ottawa and receivers is something that would be an automatic pickup, but Ernest Jackson six for one fourteen, Ellingson four for one ten, Sinopoli, a guy I've been high on all year seven for eighty five. Like again, no touchdowns, but some nice points, uh, you know, yardage wise, and it's been like that all year. 
Whiteside is uh, becoming a great uh, defensive end in Ottawa as well, if you do want to pick him up. Greenwood made his return uh, for Toronto. He had five tackles. But uh, other than that, things are pretty uh, straightforward when it comes to these teams. Uh, It's good to have shares with any one of the three rookies because they seem to be getting touchdowns. Every game. Oh, yeah. No, pick up any of those rookies or make a swap for one of them because, yeah, have a, Trevor Harris and this Argos offense, no matter where they're playing, home, road, Fraser's backyard, uh, they're putting up numbers. Now let's do an update on the 2 and Out CFL podcast, Fantasy League. Uh, we suck. Uh, yeah, um, we. that's because we give such great advice and everybody beats us to it. That's That's clearly it. I think that's what's happening. Now we're struggling with uh, our receivers Man, our defense is good. I'll say that. But Twine Time beat us. The Deflatriots are still in first place. Uh, they are eight and one now. Tyrell. Oh, and nine. Nice. Though so the wax could still be happening, even if the Ottawa All Caps don't win twelve games. Yeah, it could still be happening. So uh, keep beating them. Uh, the rest of the league, who beat them this week? It was Blair. Uh, Walby Pops is the name of uh, his uh, fantasy team, and he he beat Tyrell. That's well, awesome. Well done, Blair. You know why? Uh, you know why Twine Twine beat us? Because when I was in Calgary, I met up with Twine 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 Twine. Try that again. Twine time. He actually came in and did stats for me on the Saskatoon Hilltops broadcast. Again, thank you so much to uh, to James Twine time. Uh, I had a drink with him, and I must have given him all sorts of fantasy advice. That's that's clearly why he beat us. Yeah, he cheated. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get get the co-host of the podcast drunk, and all of a sudden tells you all the great ideas. It's a note for anybody else. Go ahead and try it. Try it. I, yeah, I, I welcome that. Let's get to the picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL. All right, I, I got to say this: I felt so terrible playing that uh, intro when Janine was on the podcast last <laughs> week. <laughs> I don't know if she cared, but I felt so bad. I'm like, I don't want you to be lumped into uh, with us because she had a great week when it came to pick 'em too. Yeah, yeah. So she clearly does not belong with us uh, because she's good at pick 'em. Yeah, she uh, picked uh, BC to end their losing streak, or Montreal to end the losing streak in BC. I picked Saskatchewan. I picked Edmonton, but I did pick Toronto, so at least I got one right. Yeah, uh, I was too busy between a double game day week. I forgot to make picks again. Now, we we did talk about Tyrell. Absolutely horrid in the Fantasy League. Absolute money in the Pick'em League. He is now 70th in the nation. Good for Tyrell. Uh, too bad that uh, we didn't uh, offer a prize up for Pick'em just for the Fantasy League. Yeah, he leads our Pick'em group. He's got 3,820 points. To put this in perspective, I don't even have 1,700 points yet. So uh, Let's see. What do I have? I'm actually on my profile right you now. You have 1,129 points. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have. Uh, it's because I do things like, uh, you know, forget to make picks. Uh I'm picking, and I'm doing this bad. You, you know what's hilarious? If you go into my profile for the past two weeks, as I've been a little busy with uh, my real job, you'll see I picked, uh, you know, I got the Calgary Stampeders right, I got the Red Blacks wrong, and then you go one, two, three, four, five, six straight weeks of no pick made. 
But oh, hey, before man. that, before I forgot, uh, I did actually uh, make several right picks like three weeks ago. But I have made my picks uh, mixed in with lots of weeks that I've forgotten. But no, I have a new reminder in my phone. Uh, I'm going to make picks every week from here on out. Hamilton, Montreal. Uh, I think we just got to play the song because nobody's beat Hamilton at Tim Hortons Field yet, right? Nope, play it. Play it. Tabbies, we're uh, taking you yeah, Thursday Night here. Football. No, no, no discussion. And uh, Mosca will have his numbered retired uh, Thursday Night Football, so that's going to be cool to see that happen as well. Uh, moving on to Friday Night Football, James Franklin and the Eskimos take on the Chad owens list Toronto Argonauts. Who are you taking here? You, of course, you're going to make me pick first. Uh, <laughs> and that, this one's a toss-up for me. Uh, I think both teams are, are really good. Edmonton uh, is going to be uh, very angry after the way they played last week. Commonwealth, a sneaky, difficult place to play. But you know what? The Argos, to me, uh, have, have been pretty good. I think they're going to make a game out of it. But I am going to go ahead and pick the Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, this one's hard for me, too. I just uh, got to take uh, Toronto. They're on a short week. They played Sunday. Now they got to travel to Edmonton. Uh, yeah, like you said, they are going to be mad. So uh, I got to go Eskies in this one. Though the Argos have been up against adversity all year long. Nobody expected them to beat Edmonton and Fort McMurray. No, uh, and, and nobody thought they'd be 6-2. and two, But I just think uh, you're right. Short week combined with travel, combined with a new starting quarterback, the guy who should have been starting for Edmonton for a while. Whenever in doubt, take the home team. Uh, I should listen to myself more often. I am going to take the Eskimos. Calgary in Winnipeg. Pains me to say it, man, but I got to take the stamps over my Blue Bombers. They looked okay. You know, Winnipeg's looked okay with Robert Marvick quarterback, but, man, the stamps, like we said, when they're hulking out and defeating teams just by running it up the gut when you know they're going to run, this is when the stamps start getting good. Uh, I'm going to have to take the stamps on this one. Stamps are actually starting to look alive on the road, and when the season started, they just didn't look like the Stampeders when they were on the road. But now uh, I think they're starting to wake up a little bit. I'm picking Calgary as well. I think this one's the toughest one of the week, Riders and Red Blacks. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, either take the team that put that scored a back through for 400 yards and somehow lost, yeah. or take or take the tough luck team that, uh, that, that seemingly is in every game. Uh, I think this game means more to Saskatchewan than it does to the Ottawa Red Blacks. I'm going to take Saskatchewan because I think if the, if you lose this and you drop to nine losses, although BC's off and Winnipeg's probably going to lose, you're just digging yourself into a bigger hole. I think they got to start looking at all these positives, and it, you know it's it's crunch time. Like I said, the Riders need a three and one stretch here against Ottawa and uh, and Winnipeg, and I think they're going to start it off. I think they're going to start it off in in Ottawa. I am going to pick the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Now, part of me wants to choose Ottawa because they're at home and they, they seem to, you know, have this fire lit when when they're playing at TD Place. But the Riders, they're on the cusp. Man, yeah, I would agree. Even, even though when I talked to Tyrell about his strategy, and he always says, "Well, pick against the Riders," um, I I'm with you. I think if this isn't the week, if this isn't the week, the Riders win. I, I think it's just I think it's just about over. Yeah, I, I'm going to go Riders, too, and then I'll pick them on Labor Day, and then if, if they don't win either of those games, I'm just never going to pick them again. Oh, they, they always win Labor Day. That's the that's the one game they always win, seemingly. If they don't win that, hell is frozen over. Well, remember the one year that, uh, that the Bombers were, uh, what was it, 9-1, and one, and the Riders were 1-9, and, yep. and, <laughs> and they still won Labor Day? 
Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I know you do. That's my great I, cup this year. I, I don't. Well, I think we're going to fight next weekend. <laughs> that's my great cup this year. They have to beat uh, Winnipeg on Labor Day. Yeah, I'm hoping for the first time since uh, I was, you know, a star basketball and volleyball player at five foot nine and a very <laughs> awkward 14-year-old that, uh, you know, that maybe my Bombers do something. All right, there you have it. Uh, episode 14 already of the Two and Out CFL podcast. We will be back next week. We're nearing 400 followers on Twitter, so follow us there, Two and Out CFL. Get a hold of us on Facebook, Two and Out CFL, and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We'll talk to you next week.